0: Hello, musical theatre fans. Welcome to the Mayor of Musical Theatre Podcast. Now, impersonating a police officer is a crime, but mayors? Who's going to get hurt if I open a few shopping centres or whatever it is mayors do? Mostly, I'm just going to use my power to talk to excellent people who make or love musical theatre about the shows they love. This podcast is produced in association with Musical Theatre Review. No need to turn to Google, you won't find a better source for the latest news, reviews and interviews on all things on stage, backstage and worldwide. I write for them and they have lots of writers who don't pretend to be a mare too, if that's your thing. No judgement here. Today's guest is someone who should either be less funny or less of a great singer. It's just not right that she can do both. It's far too much power. But luckily, she's using that power for good. Suze Kempner performs brilliant stand-up comedy up and down the country in her show PlayStation. See suzekempner.com for tickets. She sings people's faces off in various cabarets and shows around London, and she generally makes Twitter a much more tolerable place to be by being consistently hilarious and consistently silly. While you have this podcast app open, do go and subscribe to the shows she hosts, Mystery on the Rocks, which is a slightly drunken true crime podcast, and the official Queen podcast, where she gets to talk about her favourite band of all time. Queen, if if that isn't clear. Musical theatre fans, this is the brilliant, the fantastic Suze Kempner.
1: You are absolutely doomed. I give them three months, and she'll be back in America mourning a lost love.
0: Welcome to the Mayor of Musical Theatre podcast. I am composer, reviewer, photographer, and now podcaster/slash fake mayor Ian Bokett but I am far less worthy of the title of Mayor of Musical Theatre than my guest today. She has performed on stages ranging from the basement of the Star of King's pub to the London Coliseum. She is an actor, a writer, a singer, a stand-up comedian, a video gamer, the owner of a Twitter account that not only kept us going through the pandemic lockdown, but through which she has, let's say, single-handedly brought down two Conservative governments this year alone. She's working on the third. She's our nation's only hope, and she can sing too. It's a sensational Suze Kempner. Oh, thank you.
1: <laughs> I like that. I do. I do like the idea that I'm single-handedly bringing down prime ministers with stupid videos, but um, I wish I had the ego that could believe it.
0: I mean, your record is speaking for itself at the moment. Surely, at one <laughs> point, you have to accept reality.
1: Yeah. Uh, well, yeah. I I certainly think that I certainly think they're aware of me. I've certainly annoyed a few MPs enough, <laughs> not even by tagging them.
0: You seem to be annoying a lot of people on Twitter, but annoying all the right people on Twitter. So. Well done.
1: Thank you, thank you. No, I'll take that. Yeah, it's when when you uh are irritating the sort of people you'd never want to court the fandom of, it's like, well, that's fine. They go, yeah, you go, you're not funny. Like, well, I, I I wasn't expecting you to find me funny, you little transphobe.
0: <laughs> I think the first time I ever saw you perform live was in the Star of King's Basement. It was at um, a Hannah Cameron show called Brilliantly, Absolutely Hilarious, where oh, comedians and experts... Did maps based comedy, and that's, that's like a
1: it. weird yeah. View. Oh yeah, that's a real niche little night. Uh, I think Hannah ran it a few times. Um, yeah, basically, she had like a lineup of six or seven comedians, and each one had to do a ten minute set based around maps. And uh, I did. So I used to read the Jilly Cooper books, which are kind of like Lord of the Rings, but they're about sex and horses. But they're as <laughs> long as Lord of the Rings. Uh, as in people who ride horses and have sex with each other, not with the horses. And each book, it's got so many characters, but they're all based in the same sort of area of the Cotswolds. And they have a map at the beginning, which shows where everyone lives. And you have to keep referring back to it throughout the book. You're like, who's that? Oh, yeah.
0: I mean, that sounds like a lot of homework for for just a a lovely sex book to keep you going through an evening. That's a lot of extra work and admin, isn't it, (laughs)
1: That's it. Well, they're like seven, eight hundred pages each, so you know you have to get, get your geography straight.
0: <laughs> but that's like a really weird gig. Like actors always complain about having weird gigs, but surely a stand-up comedian's life must be even worse <laughs> than an actor's. It certainly
1: varies. It certainly varies. Yeah, it depends. Well, every venue is different, but I suppose that goes for actors as well. It's just you're mm. you're all on your own up there with an audience going, <laughs> "Oh no, I don't think so, love." You know, oh great, I knew I never should have come to. <laughs> little shitsha on the mire.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well the wonderful thing is is in the last few years you've been doing your shows. You did I think Mega Drive was the first one, your first solo show I saw. And you've been doing um, Supersonic 90s Kids and now PlayStation. So you're mm-hmm. drawing in the audiences you want, hopefully.
1: It's yeah, it has got to that point. I never thought it was possible. People people said like, oh well if you keep doing the thing you like the thing you find funny and fulfilling long enough, you'll build your own audience. And I kind of understood it on an academic level. And then when it started to happen, it was like, oh, I see. Suddenly <laughs> you do have a a captive audience and they genuinely happy to see what you've produced.
0: You're taking it out <laughs> on tour, right? All across the country, finding all the video game fans around the UK.
1: That's it. I've got my debut tour, debut national tour coming up uh, The last show I did in Edinburgh, 2022, I did PlayStation, which sold out every day at the Edinburgh Fringe, uh, which is a big coup there. You know, no one ever makes money. (laughs) Everyone has a terrible (laughs) time, but I had a really nice time. It was like being on holiday. Um, And uh, someone said, well, a producer said we could take this out on tour. Uh, It's So Comedy, which is Graham Norton's company. And I went, okay, let's do it. So we've got this little 10, 11-date tour going as far up as Glasgow and Edinburgh and as far down as... Where, where are we going? Brighton and Maidenhead. Uh, so, yeah, it's just a few, few dates. Didn't want to overface myself. Um, but what I like about PlayStation, about doing these video game shows, is they're they're really more about nostalgia and being an adult looking back on the kid that you were. So a lot of people sort of our age... People in their 30s will bring their parents to my shows uh, because they're like, well, this one's for me, mum and dad. And they'll sit down with their parents and then afterwards it's the parents will go, I didn't expect to enjoy that, but that was great, thank you. Oh, it reminded me of being a teenager. So I'm hoping that a similar thing will happen on the tour.
0: The nostalgia wave you get in your shows. Um, I remember in Mega Drive, I think there was a lot of the old school assembly songs. Yes.
1: <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah. Just a way to get some of your singing in the show as well.
1: There's plenty of singing in the show, yes. Um this show, PlayStation, I'll probably bring back the assembly songs for that. They deserve a nationwide audience. If
0: you were you were trained at Royal Academy of Music, you are a legit theatre, musical theatre star as well.
1: Oh yeah, I've had all the um all the right tuition. Yeah, I went I was graduated from the Royal Academy in twenty ten. Um and the, it's that funny thing where i went I went to the academy, having done sort of a few months of stand up thinking well i 'll come out of here, I probably won 't have time for stand up because i'll be doing musicals um and look at me i 'm a comedian who sings <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, you do some acting work as well do you mm-hmm. do you find um performing on stage as a comedian does that feel like acting in a role or is it a completely different thing entirely
1: it isn't it isn't uh every every comedian has their on stage persona, and mine's pretty close to like what you see what you see in real life is what you will also get on stage but uh, yeah everyone has their uh, on stage persona and it does feel like it every and like i've said already every gig is different so you find yourself slipping into a high or low energy mode and it does feel very much like acting it's help it's really helped with acting i did a, a workshop at the um, national theatre just at the end of 2021 Yeah, 2021. Um, That's my big clanging name drop. (laughs) And uh, it was of the new Grayson Perry musical. And like suddenly, as soon as there's an audience of industry and it can be the driest room in the world. And I was playing a comedy character and you find yourself going, all right, it's going to have to be. I'm going to have to bring out a few stand up comedian. um, what, What would I call them? Tricks here <laughs> and you just start addressing people directly and um i'm not sure i'd have been any good at that if i hadn't done all these years of stand-up
0: well tell us more about the grayson perry musical i i'm not aware of this
1: oh it's really good it's yeah it's in the uh, early development stage at the moment but yeah it's richard thomas who wrote jerry springer the opera was Stuart lee uh, and he did Maiden dagenham and anna nicole um it's his show that he's writing with Grayson and. It's yeah, like I say, uh, early development stage at the moment, but it's got some banging
0: songs. What incredibly th- exciting thing to be a part of at this early stage? Oh yeah, it's
1: really good. I'm I'm lucky. Uh, Richard uh, Richard and I are basically both outliers in musical theatre. Um, mm-hmm. We neither of us have ever massively fit in with the industry that we're working in. Uh, But we've clawed a career out anyway. So when we started working together about five or six years ago, it was (laughs) moider.
0: As you say, you've carved a career out in that and in stand-up comedy. You're also, I believe, developing Mm -hmm. TV pilots and things as well. You're Mm -hmm. doing everything and still finding time to play video games and stream.
1: (laughs) Yeah, still finding time to live in my mum's house. (laughs)
0: What do, you, what do you say is the show that first got you excited about musical theatre? What made you fall in love with the art form?
1: Oh, the show that first made me fall in love with musical theatre. OK, so um, we didn't have, when I was growing up, we didn't have Disney films in the house, really, because Disney VHSs was so expensive. We had one cassette playing in my mum's car for the whole of the 90s. Um, so I, like Les Mis was part of my blood. I think it ran through my veins Chillingly. So I, I was like four years old singing along yeah. to Les Mis in the car. I don't think that's that unusual for people like us, but when you look at the subject matter, you're like, it's a weird
0: thing for kids to be singing. Like, <laughs> you what the barricades, listen to this. Yeah, a lot of death. There's <laughs> some sex. There's some dodgy things in there for a four year old. I love it.
1: Yeah, an awful lot of filth, decay. Um a sort of socialist message. You know, it, it all it all came out
0: in the end with me. <laughs> <laughs> was your mother someone who would take you to the theatre or was it more playing for sex um, and parents? It That was kind of t- too expensive to take
1: a kid to a West End theatre. It would be a waste of time anyway. I was too small. I wouldn't have been able to see it. Uh, but obviously saw Panto as a kid. Just go see the local Panto. And I can remember just thinking... I remember, I think, actually, I think this was the Sooty Show. I think I was about four and they took us to see the Sooty Show, which was on tour locally, at the Harlequin Theatre, Red Hill. And I can remember being absolutely blown away that those guys off the telly sooty sweep and sue were right there in front of me on the stage and i don't remember much about the show at all just i remember the vibe which was i was blown away by it <laughs> the showmanship of that bear
0: <laughs> i'm exactly the same i have the exact same story sooty and sweep <gasps> right? some weird birmingham convention center back room
1: <laughs> what sort of year would that be maybe we saw the same tour oh could have
0: been yes yeah, so i was born in 87 i was probably about okay five or something
1: OK, it so maybe it's the same tour. Yeah, I'd have been, I think, probably sort of 89 or 90.
0: <laughs> so if Sooty and Sweep hadn't brought you into this world of performance and showbiz, were there any other childhood passions you had that you might have followed?
1: God, well, my mum's professional job. She works with horses. Um, so when I was a kid, get carted round wherever she was riding. she rides six horses a day was other people's. And I would go with her in the car. Uh, and it was by osmosis. I just took on board horses. Horses are easy. That's just a, a, a thing. I don't remember a time where I couldn't ride, and I was never. I never was good enough to ever have made a career out of it. But I probably could have worked with them mm. if it had. If I, if if musicals and performing hadn't come in, I probably could have ended up working with horses in some capacity. Because so I certainly had the
0: contacts. <laughs> <laughs> Lame is then. Has that stuck mm-hmm. with you into adulthood? Have you, for example, gone to see the show a lot? I have seen it. I, I can't remember when I saw it. Probably not
1: since the... When did it, I think I saw it on, when it was on tour in 2010. That would be the last time. I feel like I've seen it enough now. Maybe when it's gone away, as if that's mm-hmm. ever going to happen, yeah. <laughs> maybe it will come back in a revival, and then it will be like going to see an old Rodgers
0: and Hammerstein. They have changed the revolve into something else now. They've restaged it a bit.
1: Yes, it's the it's like the tour version, isn't it, in the
0: in town. And speaking of it's enduring appeal, why do you think it's lame is that it's the 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 West End enduring defining musical whereas something like Sweeney Todd, which is also beloved and is set in London, would make more sense. Yeah. Isn't
1: I I've never quite understood it. I don't think it's because the songs are just so catchy because they, they are like on my own. I dreamed a dream. They, they, I always, I said in my stand-up act, like they are basically just Adele songs. So they, they work on their own, but I think it's because we've heard them so much for, I mean, Lame is the same age as me. It's 38 this year. We've heard these songs for nearly 40 years. So they just get into your bloodstream that way. It's a, you know, it's like a, <laughs> it's like an old Banana Rama song. If they just release that now, with us never hearing it, we go, "All right, whatever is a pop song." But mm-hmm. when you hear Venus now, you go, "Oh, wow, this stone cold classic." So I think there's that with Les Mis. I wonder if it was just because there's no formula to produce. Like, what's going to make a show run for forty years? I think there's a. An element of it came in at the right time it was a big enough hit then and it just seems to just still be there and it probably doesn't hurt to have Cameron Macintosh behind
0: something <laughs> um so speaking of catchy songs which musical score gets stuck in your head the most often
1: okay this is a bit of a cop-out um, but it's we will rock you simply because I'm the hugest Queen fan. I, I don't <laughs> like the show We Will Rock You, and not just because I got to three finals and never got uh, never got to play Scaramouche. Um, I think uh, I think the show is kind of bad. But hey, those Queen songs, like the back catalogue of Queen, is insane. They had twenty years of massive hits, and like the majority of the biggest hits are in that show. They could have written a whole other show, a uh, whole other sequel, which I believe is in The Works. Mm. Uh, the Works is a title of a Queen album too.
0: So uh, Queen songs get stuck in my head the most, so I'll, I I count We Will Rock You as that. Are there any songs that they do in the musical version that you think are better than the Queen performances, if that's not blasphemous? <laughs>
1: um, I'm going to say no. However, I think one of the best moments of the show is when everything slows down and the character who's like the pop character sings, these are the days of our lives. I think that's really, really works within the show. And I think when they sing no one but you, that really works in the show. It's like everything stops for those two moments. Um, And I think, I think, they're standout moments, and they're as good as Queen doing it. Because These Are the Days Our Lives was the last video Queen ever shot. And F- Freddie is like a few months away from death. He looks absolutely terrible in the video. Like he, 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 look, you can tell he's dying in the video, and that gives it huge poignancy. And I think any Queen fan watching the musical, when that song comes on, you've got that baggage with it. So it's got like double poignancy with with how it's done within the show, which I think is very good.
0: If they came crawling back to you on their hands and knees, would you take the role even after what they did?
1: Yeah, buy a house, couldn't I?
0: (laughs) (laughs) What is your favourite musical currently running in the West End?
1: Oh, it's Hamilton. Um, I'm sorry if that's quite a boring answer, but. Uh, when I saw, I finally saw Hamilton. So I got the, like a bootleg recording of Hamilton. We're going back seven years. Um, and the bootleg was no track breaks. So it was just this big two and a half hour music file that I had on my iPod. And I just listened to it over and over again for months and months. I felt like I knew the show Inside Out by the time I finally saw it here, just after it had opened in 2018. And I was more impressed than I thought I'd be. I genuinely think it is an absolute work of genius. Like there aren't enough superlatives to say about it and they've all been said already, but I I looked at the list, I was like, what is on the West End when I knew you were going to ask me this question? And I went, yeah, no, it's it's still Hamilton.
0: <laughs> it's just objectively well done, isn't it? It's Yeah, they do a bloody good <laughs> job. Um, so obviously yeah. the music is incredible, but is there mm. something in the characters you relate to? Obviously you're a very hard worker. Do you have a bit of Hamilton <laughs> for Hamilton going on there? <laughs> Why do I tweet
1: like I'm running out of time? <laughs> yeah, I, I just think everything in the show is so well done so that I end up buying into the love story and I buy into the politics of it. Um, and I'm well aware that this is a very idealised version of the lead character and an idealised version of him as a husband and father, I'm sure. But I think it does something that so few uh, works in any medium, talking film, TV, and and stage stuff. It's so difficult to bring history to life, and I think that does it. I think another good example of that, even though it's not a perfect film, but the the film about Martin Luther King, Selma, mm. that came out. Probably five or six years ago, that's a, that's like another example. It really brings history to life. You really go, oh, I I get a good impression of what this was like. So, in a, in a society which currently does judge everything on vibes, I think Hamilton gives you a good vibe of the history.
0: There is a video of you on YouTube um, performing my shot in character as Neil Hamilton. <laughs> and that's not a question I just wanted the listeners to know. But, that was just a, um, but there's also a video of you performing Satisfied, which is another great song from the show.
1: Yeah, that's what we need, wasn't it? A, a white woman <laughs> singing the Angelica Schuyler song. It was at a, uh, yeah, it was at a, um, a cabaret. I used to I used to do it because I just think it's, there's that thing. I, I have the same thing with um, getting married today from company. If you just learn all the words and then do them and remember all of them. People are like so impressed. So I find that was satisfied as well.
0: <laughs> so you've obviously got um, an attraction to these really difficult songs. Yeah. Is this part of your your training? You're just challenging yourself. You just want to use your musicality. Yeah.
1: Um, if you if you really push yourself, it reminds. I'm always reminded of uh, Mary Hammond, who was head of the RAM course when I was there. She always used to say, "Oh, I like a voice in danger," because I would I I belt. I'd, I'd literally belt as high as I can. nothing would be I wouldn't make anything comfortable for myself when and I'd do legit as as high as I can and I'd hold a note for as long as I could. I'd never cop out. and she would say like I like a voice in danger, that's Mary Hammond. And so I think I've I've that's stuck with me. I, that's also something I get from Freddie Mercury.
0: <laughs> and impressions, the most obscure impression. I've ever heard there, Mary (laughs) Hammond, but thank you. I'm going to learn who this person is.
1: Get ready for my 2024 tour at Sue's Kent. That is Mary Hammond. And possibly Neil Hamilton, if people are lucky. And Neil Hamilton singing the role of Alexander (laughs) Hamilton, yes.
0: Which musical has made you laugh the most?
1: Oh, so... It was uh, when I went to New York in 2006. I just graduated from my, I did a script writing degree um, at Bournemouth University. And I had. this blows my mind but it was in the era where we were in a booming economy and i had a bunch of savings and i spent uh, 1500 pounds taking me and my brother who at the time was like 18 we went to new york for a week to just see seven broadway shows in seven days and we'd queue up at tkts every morning really early see what was available go and eat somewhere really cheap and then see a show in the evening we were staying in a awful hostel. But for me, I was like, what a luxury thing I've done, taking my brother on holiday to Broadway. But we saw Spelling Bee and I knew nothing about it. It was just available on the list. And my brother said, Oh, that's meant to be good. So we went to see it. And I was rolling on the floor almost. It was so funny. I remember having that feeling that you don't get very often where you're like, ow, oh, my abs are hurting the next day from all the <laughs> laughing. But it made me cry too. It was devastatingly sad as all the best, all the best funny things should also make you really cry. That's
0: that's the ultimate. <laughs> I haven't been lucky enough to see it live, but it's got a lot of audience interaction in, is that right? So um, what is the full effect like? Yeah,
1: they bring people on stage. It's a genuine spelling bee and they do up the theatre, looks like a school gym. And it's a a real regional spelling bee competition. And yeah, they get people on stage to join in the spelling bee. And it was was very funny. It's the sort of thing I can see... how it started it must have started tiny and become a broadway show by surprise it's almost a uh one of those anomalies that it shouldn't work but it does i loved it
0: it's interesting that a fairly improvised audience interaction one would be the funniest one as a comedian Mm. i imagine Mm -hmm. maybe do you appreciate jokes more in on an intellectual level as opposed to a guttural level whereas something (laughs) funny and audience related might just make you laugh more
1: (laughs) I don't know. I, uh, I wouldn't want to intellectualise my uh, understanding of comedy that much because some of the things I find funny are absolutely disgusting. Um. Go on
0: then. What's the, what's the worst YouTube video that makes you laugh?
1: Oh, There's this oh it's uh, people really hurting themselves. There's there's a (laughs) there's a video called I can't remember the exact name of the video, but it's a a guy getting a it's something like Mike gets his free taco or something, and it's just it's like seven seconds long, and the guy behind the camera is filming his friend who's uh, at the skate park who's eating a taco, and he goes, hey, tell me how much you pay for that taco. And the guy goes, you know, your boy likes his free taco and then falls so hard on the word taco. And I was like, well, it doesn't get, nothing I do on stage will ever be as funny as this. That's amazing. I'll send it to you, Ian, you'll love it. Please do, please.
0: <laughs> now, speaking of great works of cinema, what's your favourite movie musical?
1: Favourite movie musical is
0: uh, 1977's New York, New York. Um, you said you've, yeah. you've been to New York. I've never been. Does Does it reflect the real New York?
1: Well, I don't think so. <laughs> it's set in the 40s. Um, so New York, New York is uh, Martin Scorsese doing his take on uh, the old MGM Technicolor musicals. It stars Liza Minnelli and Robert De Niro as star-crossed lovers, a singer and a saxophonist. You can guess which one is which. And it seems to be a very big inspiration for La La Land because when I saw La La Land, I went, oh, it's just like New York, New York. And it's got this incredible candor and Ebb score uh, it's where the song World Goes Round comes from. Uh, there Goes the Ball Game comes from that. New York, New York comes from that. It was originally for this movie. And all these songs from a musical that, from a movie that, it wasn't long until 1980, you know, we're, we're almost in the 80s when this came out. It feels like a proper 40s MGM musical. It's just so stunning. But the acting is that very naturalistic American new wave style. So you got De Niro doing 1970s New York film star acting uh, and Liza, she's playing it relatively low key. So it, it this very unique mix. And I think when it came out, it just seems like people didn't get it. And I think it's a genuine masterpiece. And I think Scorsese has a real love for the form. He obviously loves those old musicals.
0: They are going to do a stage version with additional lyrics by Lin Manuel Miranda.
1: I think that is. I think that is going to be genius. Yeah, I think. I think it. I think that could really work. And I think they should cast me.
0: You, you humbly <laughs> put yourself forward.
1: Yeah, I'm just. I'm saying I think they should cast me. I just think it'd be nice for me. <laughs> yeah.
0: um, what musical might people be surprised to learn that you love?
1: Oh yeah, it's I can't sing the X Factor musical, uh, which was the X. Ex- yeah, the X Factor musical from about eight years ago. I, th- I think you'd only be surprised if you hadn't seen it. Cause I went to see it. My friend, uh, you know, Alex Young, mm. she was in it. So I went to see it once to support my friend. I was like, okay, I'm to watch my friend in a show. And I loved it so
0: much. Was incredible Alex Young. You would go for anything she was in. Yeah. Go and see Alex in the, the show. Of course, of course
1: uh, we were around together. Yes. Yeah, she, she told me like, yeah, it's funny. And I went to see it and it was hilarious. It's so, it was so weird. Cause it's, uh, a Harry Hill uh, book and book and lyrics, I think. So it's extremely witty and weird, um, and it was so much more than it
0: had to be. Uh, Steve Brown doing the music as well, who does a yeah, lot of absolutely things.
1: amazing pedigree. I mean, Steve Brown has worked with Steve Coogan uh, on on tour and on television, um, and yeah, I went I went along not expecting to enjoy it. On any level other than oh, nice to have a night out at the theatre. And I loved it so much. I went two more times in the loss because I saw it when it was two weeks from closing because it wasn't open very long. And then I was like, right, I've got to take everyone
0: I know in the next two weeks. <laughs> yeah, I missed that one, sadly. I, I, I just assumed I wouldn't like it. Uh, so I didn't get to chance. No, it, it was so great. Um, somehow I didn't notice Alex Young Yeah, it was it? so,
1: it was really fantastic. So funny, great songs. And, um, I think if it hadn't been in a 3000 seater, it might have stood more of a chance.
0: Am I right in thinking you had an X Factor experience when you were younger as well? (laughs) I did audition for the X Factor
1: when I was, I auditioned for Pop Idol when I was 18, that's ageing me. Um, And then I auditioned for the first and second seasons of the X Factor, but uh, I never got to any rounds where there was a camera.
0: So this is the brilliant Suze Kempner. I've been a big fan for a long time and knowing what a talent and love for musical theatre she has, as well as being such a great comedian, I knew she would be a perfect guest. Just wanted to drop in another reminder to subscribe to her podcasts, Mystery on the Rocks and the Official Queen podcast. And of course, take a look at suzkemptner.com to see if she's bringing her touring show PlayStation anywhere near you soon. Most importantly, follow her on Twitter at at where she is consistently the best thing about that website. You can also follow us um, on all the social medias at Musical Mare Pod and also Musical Theatre Review at At Musical Theatre R. Now, back to the chat. Which musical do other people love that you don't quite understand for another um, It's
1: Matilda. And my apologies you- if that's sacrilege. I know, I've I've got nothing really to say about it other than I've just never really got it. It doesn't do anything for me it's not that i think it's shit but it just never it never made me feel very much in the way that the book did when i was a little kid less so now cuz roald dahl's terrible man but <laughs> but yeah i love i loved matilda when i was a little kid i was i was a, a slightly outcast bookworm so of course i would read matilda and go oh it's brilliant and um, but the musical never did it for me yeah
0: so what about um tim Minchin's other work as a comedian, Groundhog Day, maybe.
1: Oh, yeah. I mean,
0: yeah, he's a, a great comedian with a f- awesome Edinburgh
1: pedigree. Yeah. I haven't seen Groundhog Day, no.
0: It's interesting because obviously Matilda, the musical, is mm. different to the book in a lot of ways. But it seems roundabout as universally loved yeah, as the Yeah,
1: absolutely. I, as I say, this is, uh, and, and it's one of those things where I'm not saying I'm right, but it has never done it for me. What do you think is the most
0: romantic musical?
1: This is another show that I saw on my 2006 trip to New York. It was, And again, had no idea what to expect, but the tickets were $15, so great. Uh, the Light in the Piazza. Gorgeous, gorgeous music. Oh, I just think it's unbelievably beautiful. Makes my heart do a big swell up in my chest. Uh, even though I fully believe that the couple are doomed. <laughs>
0: that's the tragedy mm-hmm. of it it's like love mm-hmm. is so beautiful and the real yes. world's so awful and just to contrast that's those two it. against like, each other yeah
1: these two are absolutely doomed I give them three months and she'll be back in America mourning her lost love um <laughs> however I don't know what I don't I think that says a lot about me that I'm like so romantic I saw uh you know that film Phantom Thread yes. where uh, and, uh I mean I won't give away the twist for people who don't know what it is but Daniel Day-Lewis is basically this very um obsessive and kind of horrible uh clothes designer who's having a love affair with a woman he's met and uh, well for people who do know how it all pans out put it this way I saw it and when it finished I went that's the most romantic film I've ever seen
0: (laughs) (laughs) Do you do you consider yourself to be a romantic, sentimental sort um, of person in general? I
1: I do, and then I think to myself, no, I can't be because I thought Phantom, Fred was the most romantic film I've ever seen. <laughs> but and I also think the same about New York, New York and La La Land. It's a lot of doomed lovers. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you just don't want to be happy. That's that's quite no, tragic. No,
1: that's it. I think yeah, that that's that fits. <laughs>
0: <laughs> um, so on your on your videos and your live streams, your mum often makes a cameo appearance, and you seem to have a lovely. Yeah friendly sweary relationship what do you think (laughs) it would be like if you went on holiday to Italy together
1: oh we did last year we went uh yeah god we lived our own little light in the piazza it it was the friend of ours do you know Eurobeat yes uh the the musical with the creator of Eurobeat the brilliant Craig Christie we're working on something at the moment
0: actually exciting
1: um, he And he and his wife, they found a really cheap Airbnb in a little town uh, on the, I don't even know if this is how you say it, the Cinque Terre? Is that the name? The, it's a, a little bit of Italy where there's lots of beautiful ports. Um, and we stayed there for four or five days. And, oh, It was just like the light in the piazza. There was, we all remember the bit from that musical where on the first night, mother and I got tanked up on (laughs) six Long Island iced tea and then I lay in the street and then fell asleep on the sofa with the the lights fully on. Like, we have strong memories of that, everybody. I mean, that's
0: what a holiday is for, not falling in love with Italian boys.
1: (laughs) Absolutely, absolutely, yes. There was not an Italian boy to fall in love with, to be seen. (laughs)
0: Which musical have you not seen that you think you should?
1: Okay, this blows minds, and I think it's got to a point where I just will never see it. Uh, I've never seen the movie of Mary Poppins.
0: It's an easy one to put right if you were so inclined. That's it.
1: I know. I've got Disney Plus. I could, I could do it tonight, but I just have never been in the mood where I'm going to go. Now I will finally watch Mary Poppins.
0: For a lot of children, it was like the first movie that their parents ever showed them. What did your mum show you when you were young?
1: Uh, show Me Jaws when I was five and Aliens <laughs> when I was seven. So it's just slightly different, slightly different. Um, oh, do you know what? Oliver, we had Oliver on video uh, when I was a kid. So yeah, that was more my vibe. <laughs> I like I like to uh, watch over and over again, Oliver, right up to the scene where Bill beats Nancy to death. <laughs> and then, yeah, I, always disappointing when I found out that in the... In the real story, uh, the Dodger gets taken off to be hanged. And I was like, yeah, in the musical, it's just uh, Fagin and Dodger get back together and go, let's go down the street and find another bunch of sad orphan boys to nick stuff.
0: (laughs) Yeah, it's still quite, it's still got the sadness. It's still got the poverty. It's, it seems fitting with your childhood taste of monster movies and death.
1: Oh yeah 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 you and you, you know there's that amazing romantic scene where Nancy says to Bill you do love me don't you Bill and he goes of course I do I live with you and I remember thinking if someone said that to me I just think that was so wonderful
0: <laughs> Have you seen have you seen the Mary Poppins stage show which I think has just closed
1: No I never saw it um and no excuse, because it's been it's been on for years. There's I had many opportunities to see it, but yet never saw Mary Poppins. As far as I know, uh, I've, I've basically pieced it together from clips I've seen and that episode of The Simpsons where <laughs> they get a nanny called Sherry Bobbins.
0: A lot of people our age know bits of pop culture just from Simpsons episodes.
1: That's it, yeah. I, when I finally saw Citizen Kane, I was like, oh, I understand 10% <laughs> more of the entirety of The Simpsons now. <laughs>
0: Which musical's fictional world would you most like to live in?
1: Oh, um, assassins. Sometimes assassins. This is going to
0: need some explanation, Uh, I think.
1: Okay, so I'm a white woman, so obviously I'm obsessed with true crime. The greatest uh, true crime is, of course, assassinations of presidents. In this musical, we get to meet the nine people who have attempted to assassinate us presidents some successfully and uh, i just think it would be cool to meet all of them live in the various um, time periods they were in uh, and uh, get to have a chat with lee harvey oswald who was mad i reckon so imagine
0: so you'd just be hanging out in the a sort of amorphous weird world where these people are hanging out hmm. singing songs occasionally interacting
1: Oh, yeah, the, the songs are amazing as well. I think Assassins is brilliant. I can't believe it hasn't been brought back very recently, to be honest, because if any show needed an update,
0: it's that one. A hundred percent. There was a one in there was one in <laughs> New York a little while ago, I think, which was apparently very yes. timely, and I'm really sad I missed that. Because I bet, show. yeah, same. Um, you were in it, weren't you?
1: I've been in Assassins twice. Uh, the musical I love so much, I've done it twice. It was on, uh, they did it at the Academy, and I was the ensemble in that. And then... It was to be in 2011, There was a small production. You know, when you know as productions just like it's pro am, um, unpaid, but people were pros. Uh they did a production a uh, at theatre on the South Bank. I'm trying to think what it was, but in that one I played Squeaky From. And uh, it was it was a real thrill to be in Assassins. Play Charlie Manson's girlfriend.
0: <laughs> And not only that, you got to sing Unworthy of Your Love, which is a beautiful song. Exactly, and I
1: got to carve a swastika on my forehead at the end of it. Like, how many musicals give you the opportunity to do that?
0: (laughs) Edgy, edgy show. (laughs) That's it. But as edgy as it was, um, Sondheim said the Unworthy of Your Love song was his attempt to do a sort of carpenter's pastiche. Mm. Do you think he was successful in doing carpenter's? I think he,
1: yeah, I think he 100% was. And I love Mm. showing people that song and then telling them the context and seeing them go, Oh um my uh current boyfriend. Um is that a nice thing to say? My my current boyfriend. no not at all. It's not just it's just the one that I'm with now. Um I showed him <laughs> I I showed him that and then I was like, so she's squeaky from from the Manson family, and he's like and then I just saw him go, oh shit. It's that way. I mean suddenly it's the funniest song. I mean it's grotesquely funny.
0: There are a lot of Sundime songs that do that. Yes, that's it. Yeah, <laughs> oh, the genius. Is your boyfriend into musical theatre as well, or is this something you you happen to win? Him yeah, well
1: he is. When he was, uh, he's a comedian, but when he was, uh, in and he lives in Toronto. When he was a teenager, his first adult road trip was him, two other older teenagers, and his slightly older brother. They went on a road trip to New York City. Just four lads going to New York City to watch five Broadway shows.
0: It sounds like a good person.
1: I said, I said, oh, what did you see? And he immediately was like, "Damn Yankees, we saw." Funny thing happened on the way to the forum with Nathan Lane. I was like, wow, he remembers all four, all five of them. But he loves musicals. His audition song used to be "Corner of the Sky," apparently, which I'm still determined to hear
0: him sing. Yeah, I mean, those are some high notes. If you can still hit those,
1: yeah, he's got a good tenor. He's he doesn't have enough belief in his own singing voice.
0: Okay, well you got a project then.
1: Yes, yeah.
0: <laughs> and we're doomed. So it's perfect. <laughs> <laughs> if you were to direct a radical restaging of a classic musical, which one would you choose?
1: Oh, okay. Do you know the show on the 20th century? I I've listened to it. I've never seen it. I've never seen it either. Um but I just think it's I mean it's you know it's uh, a there's a little bit of farce. There's um desperation for money there's desperation for stardom and i think that is just a show that is well worth a timely update i think it could come out now and hit a very different chord to how it did 40 plus years ago and what a score is every song a banger
0: it's comden and green isn't it it's a fantastic mm-hmm. score and it's really funny as well so funny i, I mean yeah. just going on the songs so so funny and you're right it's sort of dealing with fame and making shows happen and also mm. still relevant today Yes.
1: Oh, more than ever. I think it's one of those shows. It's like uh, some shows just get better with age. I think Assassins is one of them, actually. Um, I think New York, New York is uh, I can see why it's a stage version is being planned now rather than 45 years ago. Another, do you know what? Another Scorsese film that only gets better with age and that's 40 years old this year uh, is The King of Comedy. Have you ever seen it?
0: I haven't seen that. Everyone tells me I really should see it. It's my Mary Poppins. It's and
1: there is. you go. <laughs> Less easy to watch. I just think it's unbelievable. So if, for people who haven't seen it, De Niro plays like a wannabe standup comedian who's obsessed with his favorite talk show host. Who's like a, who's played by Jerry Lewis um, and he's playing a late night talk show host on and he, yeah, De Niro is like obsessed with him and is obsessed with being a stand-up comedian, but what he just wants is to be famous and for people to like him. And I don't know how Scorsese and De Niro knew that in 40 years' time we'd be living that exact world, but somehow he knew. It's absolutely brilliant. It's hysterically funny, but it also it's like ultimate cringe comedy.
0: Uh, I've got got homework from this podcast, (laughs) thank you. This and Free Taco. There
1: you go. Go, boy, loves his free taco.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So the big question... Mm -hmm. If you were, Suze Kempner, if you were the mayor of musical theatre, which you're not because I am, if you were the mayor <laughs> of musical theatre, which show would you order be staged forever so you can go see it whenever you want and in which venue?
1: Oh, well, in a display of, sick of fancy that could be seen from space because he's he's a friend of mine, I would honestly say Jerry Springer the Opera. So good. I feel like it got cut off by mad people. We, You know, people talk about cancel culture. They never talk about the right targets of cancel culture because it was the religious right cancelled Jerry Springer the opera the reason it never got a Broadway run was because of mad religious right um so I think Jerry Springer the opera should come back be staged they can stage it anywhere and I'd go and see it all the time
0: so you'd be going to see it you wouldn't want to roll in it with your friends oh yeah
1: I want to roll in it oh yeah no Richard knows that yeah. I, uh he has to cast me as something in it <laughs>
0: Um, so you got a lot of protests at the time, as you say. Do you think, mm. I mean, obviously society is different in a lot of ways. Mm. It's better in a lot of ways and worse in a lot of ways. What mm. do you think the protests would be like now? Because there would be protests.
1: I think there would. Um, I think this is one of the, because social media, uh, I like social media gets a bad rap. Like social media has made discourse and debate it, very toxic. That's the word people use a lot. But um, when it comes to some things, I think at least we have the debate now because when Jerry Springer, the opera came out in sort of the early to mid two thousands, there wasn't social media. All there was were like the daily mail telling us that the C word was used 6,000 times or something in the show, which isn't possible. They'd have had to say it once a second for, you know, uh, 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 several hours. Um, and it just wasn't true. Um, So I think now there would at least be the other side presented on social media. You'd have people going, the show's brilliant. Here's why it's actually um, uh, not in terrible taste. And uh, I think I just think I think the reaction to it now would be very different. In fact, they staged it off Broadway uh, four years ago, five years ago, maybe. And the New York Times gave a glowing, you know, five-star glowing review. It was like a love letter, the review from the New York Times. And there was no backlash then because if you're – someone who wants to show backlash to something, it was sitting right there in the White House, you know? <laughs> so I think I think the reaction now would be very different.
0: I think you're completely right. I think this is a really good choice for one to bring back and see again and again. Mm. And what they did do is they did bring it out on DVD, which I imagine yes. changed a lot of people's minds about it. To oh, I never saw
1: it. it. I never saw it was on. I saw it when they finally aired it on TV, I think in 2004. Uh, it was when I was at uni anyway. I remember staying up late and seeing it on TV and just being absolutely mesmerized by it i just i went oh that this is what this is and i couldn't believe it and i was so angry i hadn't you know taped it on the vcr because <laughs> that's how long ago it was um and as soon as the dvd was out i i bought it um and yeah so when i first then when i started working with richard i was like super starstruck but i'm not anymore oh <laughs>
0: The DVD was great. I loved the bonus features mm. where it had um, an interview with Richard who was talking about how one of the songs came from a Tom Waits parody he used to do, uh, and I was a big Tom Waits fan at the time as yes. well. just found that really interesting. You don't have to write theatre songs. You just write good mm-hmm. songs and make them into theatre songs. That's
1: it. I mean, we always think of uh, I Just Want to Dance, which is, you know, it's an epic song. We always think of it as being this great big um, uh opulent, rolling song that is, you know, a tour de force. And it is, but it's literally under two minutes long. And that's
0: something Richard is very good at. So we've got a tiny few minutes left on the podcast. Do you want to get some plugs in? Oh, my
1: goodness. Well, uh, if anyone is uh, looking for a comedy show to see, you can come and see me on my debut tour of PlayStation, a show about growing up in the 90s, the perfect show for anyone who... Uh, had big dreams as a kid and or remembers the 90s. We're going to Birmingham, Salford, Bristol, Crawley, Brighton, London, Leicester Square Theatre. I've got 400 tickets to sell. Please come to Leicester Square. Newcastle, Edinburgh, Glasgow, Maidenhead and Leeds. There's all the dates.
0: Available. Where can we find tickets?
1: If you go to my website, SusKempner.co.uk, it's got a full tour page with all the links and uh, some fun pictures.
0: <laughs> well, thank you very much. You've been an incredible, incredible guest. Thanks for telling us all of your favourite shows. Thanks, Ian. Cheers. That was Suze Kempner. Thank you again to Suze for being such a lovely guest. You should make it a priority to follow her on Twitter at at Suze UK and check out suzekempner.com for details of her upcoming tour. You can follow this podcast on the socials at at musicalmarepod and also make sure to follow Musical Theatre Review at at r for all the latest news, reviews and interviews on all things on stage, backstage and worldwide. Finally, if you want to help out the podcast, please tell your friends about us. Share the little clips we put out and scream about fake mayors from the rooftops. You can even get involved by leaving a five star review telling us which show you would run forever if you were the mayor of musical theatre which, you know, I'm the mayor of musical theatre, but leave a five-star review telling us which show you would run forever if you were, and we will discuss your choices on a future podcast. Check back for another episode next week. Thank you again for listening. See you in the stalls. Bye.